Hello and welcome to the first ever episode of our brand new podcast, Community Roundabout, brought to you by Mount Evelyn and District's Community Bank branch, Bendigo Bank. With me today are two very special people, uh, Directors Jill Rule and Margie Sank. Jill is uh, a past chair and Margie's former treasurer. Um, both have been with the company from day one, so I thought it'd be good to get them in, find out a bit of the history of the company and what we've been up to over the last 17 or so years. So let me introduce first of all Margie. Tell me a bit about yourself and how you became involved in starting a bank in Mount Evelyn. Okay, so I was um, I joined the steering committee relatively late in the piece. So the steering committee had already been up and running and they realised that with the possible demise of all banks in the town, um, our town would die. So top, top marks to all of those people who worked really diligently. So I was really headhunted for my accounting and corporate governance qualifications to be on the steering committee and be on the board of the proposed community bank. So at that stage, it was just a steering committee and we had still to do feasibility study and prospectus and the other bits and pieces. So my history, um, I'd been quite involved in the local community um, as a venture scout leader, kinder committees, playgroup setups and various school committees. So I was really passionate about our local community and I was really excited to be invited to join and passionate about the idea. So that's probably it for me. Yeah. Thanks, Maggie. And Joe, what about you? How did you get involved? Well, I was approached by um, the steering head person. What, what were they called? <laughs> the head of the steering committee. Yeah, the chair, uh, I suppose. Yeah, yeah well, yeah. Um, at that time, I had a, a business that I had been running for a number of years. Um, and I guess that because I was in business, um, I was thought of as being a, a good candidate for the steering committee. And I did join that and we went on to campaign and um, work with the community and um, various groups around town to see if we could get people on board with pledges that would uh, eventually become shares in the company should we get it up and running. So, um, yeah, as I said, I was, uh, I was asked by the chairman at that stage, which was Alan Grundy, um, to join and I started going to regular meetings and, and we started our, our campaign, which um, went very, very well. Excellent. So uh, how did that steering committee develop and, and how quickly did the people of Mount Evelyn get on board? I think... Um, the steering committee was, was made up of um, very strong community-minded people and uh, and because they had prior or current involvement with other community groups, they were able to reach out to those networks uh, and we very quickly got our pledges coming in. Um, in fact, I think we, we probably started in about the late 1999. I, can't exactly remember if that's if that's accurate, but it seems to be around then. And we we opened the branch in two thousand and two, so you can see it was a fairly fairly short um, campaign. Um, whereas 
Some community banks have taken many years to get on board, but Mount Evelyn is very strong with community and I think everyone was behind it because the NAB had gone and the prospect of the Commonwealth Bank going had been mooted. Um, so people were passionate about having a bank that's, that stayed in town and one that was focused on local people too and not just making money for, for um, the shareholder base, um, as in these big banks do. So I might, I might jump in here too. So the real problem was if the banks leave town, then people don't shop in the town. And then the township itself or the village of Mount Evelyn really struggles. And, and we've always had a really strong um, community feel to Mount Evelyn. And people were quite... It was a different environment then. People were part, quite passionate about... Um, banks and, and wanting to make sure they had banks in town and they had the ability and that bank would look after the community because previously our banks actually had and then they'd seen you know they'd gone in a different direction so we had really strong desire from community to support the steering committee and to pledge and yeah following on from what Jill said we were incorporated in um May 2001 and we needed that in order for people to um, take up the the offer to buy shares and then we you know we basically achieved that and then we opened the branch in May 2002 so that was a great result for the town and in terms of pledges and what happens within the community I might just talk about that for a little bit so the main, the, the role with a community bank or for getting community buy-in to be shareholders was that you really engage community so the community supports the bank because the bank is then going to support the local community. And we found we would have, we had people who just wanted to buy 100 or $150 worth of shares. That was what they had to contribute to the community. So consequently... When we had our, our first offer for people to buy shares, we had a really quite a large shareholder base. So mm -hmm. some people obviously bought more, but then it was some people just wanted to buy a little bit. It's perhaps that's all they had to do, and so they were really happy to support. And how we ran that was first in best dress. So if you got your offer in to buy you know, 150 or $500 worth of shares, you were treated most differently for someone who wanted to buy $10,000 worth of shares. And that's been the case ever since with our shareholders. It's one shareholder equals one vote. Not one share equals one vote, but one shareholder equals one vote. So it's very community aligned. Thank you, Marky. If, if I could just add to that um, about the um, community engagement, I think very early in the piece we started giving out money and the word was getting around that we were actually doing what we said we would do if we opened a branch. So we didn't actually have a physical branch yet, but we had a company and we had a manager engaged and he was he was um, writing up business from the get-go and, and consequent, consequently we were giving out money very, very early. So... Um, that, that put us in really good stead to get other people to pledge. Oh, excellent. 
So we get to the launch in May 2002. What do you remember from that day? Oh, a big crowd on, on, the, on the pavement. Um, yeah, there was a lot of excitement around. It was a great day. I remember it very well. Maggie? Oh, my memory's not quite as good as Jill's, but I'd say it was a fantastic day. It was a lot of excitement in the branch. I think we'd probably we'd had a, a soft opening a couple of days earlier. Mm, on a Thursday. Yeah. Look, it was just, it was a really good occasion because we, we the people that are part of our branch team, pretty much locals and were really passionate as well about community. So we all shared that same vision. The people in the town were super excited. We would have had Piggy there. We had Piggy and we also had um, delegates from Bendigo Bank who'd, who'd actually driven down from Bendigo just for the occasion. Hmm. That's really good. Later in the same year, in 2002, I became a customer. We, we came over from the UK in the June. We'd opened an account with one of the big four banks because we could do that in London. and The money was available for us when we came here. But within months, I thought, oh, there must be something better. I was used to a building society in the UK. And um, I started doing some research, and we were living down in Kilsyth at the time, discovered the community bank, and I think it was August or September in 2002, we moved our account over. So um, little did I know that back in 2002, what involvement I would have later on. So we might come to that later. So how did the early days play out, Jill? The early days? Oh, it was very busy, um, branch-wise, I know that. Um, David hit the ground running. Well, he'd already been, you know, working on, on gaining business prior to the opening. But I, I don't... Um, I, it was just fantastic. The momentum was there and um, we were, as I said earlier, we were starting to give money out and so we were starting to... Um, have press about these events and um, getting checks out at, at various functions um, for you know small amounts in the beginning, but yeah. it was. Uh, it did, was did most of the steering committee become directors? Um, one of them went on to become an employee, um, and I'd say out of the rest, uh, probably four or five did, just from memory, but. And, yeah. and you, you all gelled together quite quickly as a, as a company, now as directors rather than steering committee members? Oh, absolutely. Well, we'd, we'd been that steering committee, so um, we all knew each other. We had such a diverse group from the town, um, you know, from local police to, <laughs> to community house managers, I mean, business people. Um, now, that was, it was a great group, and, and, they, and we've got on so famously ever since. Mm. There's still directors um, on the board now that were there from the beginning and we still all get on very cohesively. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, Margie, how long did it take for us to move into profit and, and start returning funds? When Jill, um, Jill's already mentioned that we started giving money out from, from very early on. Yeah, uh, sorry. That's all right. So I started, I, um, I went back and checked some figures as, as of course, I you would expect me to do. So incorporated 2001, open branch 2002. We um, initially when you, first I might digress a little bit because initially when you're 
when you're asking people to invest in a community bank, what you're trying to fund is working capital initially before the branch gets into profit. And the other part for us was we we determined we wanted to have the option to buy the building because we knew that would be a really valuable asset for both the community and our community bank company. So, <clears throat> and initially when you start a community bank, you're going to expect to make losses. It takes a long time to recoup what you're going to lose in the first couple of years. At that stage, I think, generally speaking, people thought if you could recoup your your losses in about four to five years, you were doing really, really well. And so we needed to raise sufficient money to cover that and then to move into the profitability stage. So our bank, because of its really huge community support and how the economy was at that time, we reached profitability in around about during the 2006 financial year. So I don't have the exact month. I think it was probably a few months into that year. So maybe, I don't know, maybe somewhere September to November that year, we'd reached profitability, which meant or we'd, we'd reached, uh, we, we recouped all our prior year losses. So then we actually were in profit and we'd recovered. So that was a, an absolutely phenomenal result and it was really is to do with the well a great buying by the community but also the fabulous work of all everyone involved so whether it was the you know the, the team at the branch or the team on the board um yeah so was that the question how long to get to profitability mm. yeah that was pretty good yeah mm, excellent and then um I suppose if we jump a few years ahead, we to two thousand and seven. Um, I I got involved again because we were looking at opening a branch in Montrose, so we started a campaign down in Montrose, um, and and the same process as you did for Mount Evelyn, we did down in Montrose, gathering pledges, etc. Uh, every Saturday morning, you'd see us outside the IGA, and every Tuesday, we'd meet in the tennis club. Um, so while I was busy involved with uh, Montrose, what was happening up here in Mount Evelyn? Jill, maybe. In 2007. It's sort of around that time, 2007 and eight. Um, well, we were made aware of your campaign because I became a steering committee member. Mm-hmm. Um, so did Ellen. Yeah. As I recall. So... At that point, um, I don't think there was discussion about whether you would um, whether you would join our company or not. We, we did because we formally had to make that decision because we had the option of becoming our own standalone company. Yeah. Which but the, had that happened by then? Well, it was it was during that process because we needed to make that decision before we went to the feasibility study. Obviously, mm, yes, that's right. Um, and. Uh, uh, while I was chair of that uh, steering committee, it made sense to me that we didn't, jo- you know, mm. um, become competition, no. but that we joined together because there's a lot of synergies between Mount Evelyn and Montrose. So we formally made that decision and voted on it and agreed unanimously to um, to, to join up with mm. Mount Evelyn. So that's where we went from there. Mm. So in 2007, I guess for Mount Evelyn, it was just business as usual and trying to build a business and get out into the community um, 
you know, with community engagement. So yeah. So in, in two thousand eight and nine, we um, a couple of the uh, Montrose Steering Committee joined onto were, were invited onto the board. So myself. Uh, and Gay and Ian, we all came up onto the board at that time. So, That's correct, yes. Um, yeah. So we opened the Montrose branch in November 2010. Another great day. That was another <laughs> great day. And again, we had reps down from uh, Bendigo Bank. We did. Um, our local police. And, uh, that's right. And yeah. the um, Montrose Primary School Choir. Yes. yes. Which was which is quite an... Uh, they, they sang the jingle from the TV advert at That's the time. That's right, the current one, yes, yeah. I remember. So I might, <clears throat> I might butt in here. So mm. what else was happening in Mount Evelyn in 2007? So we'd reached profitability at that stage. We actually had retained earnings and we paid um, our first dividends in, let me see, we actually had interim and final dividends then. We did that for a couple of years. Um, so 2006 we did that, and then again in 2007. What else was happening in 2007? We were actually, we, we were really, the board of Vassage were really um, keen to expand our operations and therefore to link with Montrose to um, have another branch in the Montrose Township. Mm. So then we brought on new shareholders once we launched... Well, that was the prospectus was 2009, I remember vividly. It was also the global financial crisis. So that was sort of... Ouch. Well, it was ouch, but the prospectus, feasibility study and prospectus had all been prepared Mm -hmm. prior to the global financial crisis. And that then made quite um, a different environment. And I think at that stage, bearing in mind my background, we, we figured it would take between five and ten years to recover from that, and we're still recovering yeah. as a, from an economic point of view. Even though we had really good buy-in for, mm. for that uh, campaign, and uh, it didn't take all that long um, to get our pledges up to the figure that we needed, but still, as Nadia said, the, um, the GFC just was... Awful. It's never going to work in our favour. Yeah, no. and, I, and I think the our, our, the previously existing shareholders also saw it as an opportunity to support and to buy more, get more shares because yeah. otherwise there was no way for the existing shareholders to buy more shares. Really, the share trades um, for community banks are quite low. People tend to hang on to them. Yes, that's right. But then we started hitting milestones. We returned a million back to the community? So that was actually <coughs> in, um, sorry, I'll move back against my mark. I've just done my, I've got my spreadsheet in front of me, as of course you'd expect <laughs> me to have. I said, don't worry too much about the actual numbers. Um, oh, hey, I'm an accountant, I can't help myself. So <coughs> unless you're prepared for him because he's I'm asking gonna questions. I'm going to cough over here. <coughs> Mount Evelyn at that stage had, so 2010, uh, cumulative cumulative grants, and that was to both the Mount Evelyn and Montrose districts and wider, had reached just under 900k. And at that stage, we'd been paying dividends for five years, and so the cumulative dividends were just a bit over $300,000. So 
I guess when, we, when we're looking at contribution to community, if you think about it, our shareholders are also community mm-hmm. and paying dividends puts money back to our shareholders also puts money back into the community. So 2010, just under 900K. 2011 was 1.1 mil in grants and just under 400K for dividends. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? It's pretty, it was actually, it was really, it was really nice to go back and to to look at these figures and because I, and then I thought, gee, wow, you know, we, we know the story that we put money back into the community, we support local community groups, etc. But until you sort of refocus, sometimes you just miss it a bit in translation. Yeah, so really good. And then we had our 10th anniversary in 2012. We did. It was a good AGM. It was a fantastic turnout. We, uh, we had, gosh, what would you guess, Margie, 150 people? Oh, at least. It yeah. was really, yeah, it was really fabulous. great. It was. We yeah. had a band. Yes. As well, um, yeah, it was a great. We had, night. Some, we had entertainment, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so after opening up Montrose, we had a look at opening another branch down at uh, Canterbury Gardens. Jill, you were working on the steering committee. How did that campaign differ from Montrose? Yes, it differed greatly. Um, we identified Canterbury Gardens as being, oh, and the surrounding area as as being a potential. Uh, area for more business. We did have some business from that area, but it was um, it's it's quite an intense, tensely um, commercial area, and so we thought, well, there's a lot of business down there in the businesses, but there's also residential as well um, on on the other side of Canterbury Road. So we thought this would be an ideal an ideal place, and the NAB had closed from that um, strip. And also another opportunity for, for a bank to go in. So we started a campaign, and as Gareth mentioned before about uh, Saturday mornings, we spent many of those outside Woolies down there um, and held meetings in the empty shop that we'd identified would be our, our place to, uh, to open a branch. Um, but it became really obvious that there really wasn't a strong community as such even though a lot of people lived down there in that area, at the bottom of the basin and, and going right down to Dorset Road, um, they just it didn't seem to have that strength that the areas of Mount Evelyn and Montrose have as far as community goes. There, there wasn't a lot of community groups uh, that we, we could sort of identify. So whilst it was hard slog, um, we continued going, but um, it became obvious that we were, we were just never going to get the money that we needed to open another branch. So um, I don't know what year, but we did decide to pull the pin on yeah. that. The other factor at that time was that margins had reduced on um, banking business. So yeah, because the, the interest rates were only going down. Interest rates went down. The economic cycle, well, economy was a lot tighter. Um, it was taking branches a lot longer to reach profitability. So we, we had Mount Evelyn, which was, when we opened Mount Evelyn, we had probably a more passionate community and we had a really good economic environment. When we opened Montrose, we still had the passionate community, 
but people hadn't had a proper bank in town for 40 years. So they actually weren't missing a bank. It just would have been nice for them to have. Mm -hmm. So the buy-in was probably a bit slower. The margins were less. So we had Montrose that was still probably not getting, you know, not getting near the profitability. And the economy wasn't improving when we were looking at the Canterbury Garden site. So we knew then it was going to be a really, really tough call. As well as that, we had... We had lots of community bank uh, branches in the Yarra Valley, which was our um, our mark, target geographical market. And so they were already passionate about their communities. So it was, it was unlikely that we were going to attract new customers to the community bank network. What we would have met, all we probably would have done was to actually... Um, maybe deplete the other branches of their of their customers, and it really was at the point where we thought this is not going to be profitable. This is going to be quite a drain on our existing company, and therefore our existing community that we have and the shareholders. So at that stage, we thought, no, we can't proceed with this. But we did invite two of the steering committee onto the board. Yeah. We invited Terry and Duana. And we did, yes. And they're still, well, one of them is still with us. The other one recently um, resigned from the board. But Terry did take over the role of chair from yourself? He did indeed, yes. How, how did that change the dynamic of the board? With Terry at the chair? Yeah. Uh, as the chair? Um, well, a bit hard for me to sort of say. Oh, that's a bit hard for Jill. Well, look, I think... You know, we've gone from um, from Al, who, Alan Grundy, who was the our original chair of the steering committee and chair of the community bank. Now, look, really, I'm sure community blood flowed in his in his veins. He was just so passionate. And that's that's not to say Jill wasn't, because Jill certainly yeah. was absolutely passionate chair. Really knew. Um, the community well and still knows the community really well absolutely passionate I think Terry brought with him look lots of lots of different skills which is which were really fantastic um, so he added a different dimension I mean everyone comes with their own personality and Gareth Gareth sorry you're Gareth <laughs> Terry was um, yeah very very personable and a great asset to our company and really he I think it was pretty magical that he came on as chair. Jill had flagged earlier on that there was a timeline or a time limit to her time as chair, and I think you you extended that several times. So thank you for that, Jill, because you were absolutely fantastic. Absolutely. So Terry was, you know, was a fantastic um, asset for our board to have, and once again he gave us a you know a timeline and probably extended it, but then moved out of the area. So that helped him make a decision mm-hmm. and, and us to formally do something that, about that's it. That's exactly right. And now we probably need to talk about the consolidation of the Montrose accounts. Uh, it's clear to the board that Montrose was struggling, Margie. So can you tell us about some of the issues that we were having to grapple with at that time? So as I, as I mentioned before, we have, um, we have the Montrose branch that effectively is in a town of you know it's in some respects it's a dormitory suburb so people actually 
have houses there, but they travel other places to go to work. Um, so they're travelling off the mountain. We hadn't had a bank. Montrose hadn't had a bank for over 40 years. So people probably entrenched in their habits. The banking environment changed as well. And it wasn't wasn't either so easy or as necessary for people to change banks. So we found that, and the other major thing of course was that because the economic environment had changed, the bank itself, the margin that we were making on banking business reduced substantially. So it was taking a very, very long time for Montrose to actually even reach profitability let alone um, recoup prior year losses. We looked at it and we thought, and, and there was the other issue as well, that with a community bank, as compared with a dress shop or a florist or something else, you can't actually shut the door for a rest break. You can't actually work in there on your own because of security issues. So we had, we, we need a quite a large number of employees for the revenue derived and it became it just became unsustainable to actually keep that branch operating especially since we were 6k up the hill and people tend to use online facilities a lot more than they did in the early days so that a combination factor it's lack of profitability staff underutilised and that's not a nice environment for those people to be in and just it it wasn't working and we couldn't as much as you try and get new customers to bring their banking business in the other part of the whole deal is the demographic in Montrose you've still got a lot of people who own their own homes don't need loans or who travel off site so that was it that's right so the decision was made and we, we closed the doors, but we had we were able to keep our staff. We brought them up to Mount Evelyn. We kept our staff, which which was great because they're all working happily up here now. And uh, But we have not mentioned that we were successful in buying both buildings. So the company has both those buildings on its balance sheet, um, which, of course, now we have Montrose to, to find a tenant for. But still, what a great achievement. Absolutely. Yeah. And the other factor, of course, for Montrose, for the people and the community of Montrose, we we were determined that we would hang on to that ATM as a as a really useful facility for the Montrose community, so that they can certainly use the ATM to get their cash. Got def- definitely great online presence. The team members from the branch are up in Mount Evelyn, so the same friendly faces that they're used to seeing are up here and really it's a little bit some for some it's probably no further distance to travel mm-hmm. for others it's probably a little bit more and our, our team we've got an online oh sorry we've got a um i'm trying to think of a word for any we've no, got no. a mobile banker thank you that's <laughs> a physical one not an online one we've got a mobile banker and of course you know our, our team dave's great at visiting people when they need it. And I think that's about 
forming personal relationships with people so that people know and understand who we are, and that certainly hasn't changed. Yeah, so now we've got over 300 million in footings. What, what do we mean by footings, Margie? Okay, so I didn't know what that term was at all, even though my dad was a banker, so how silly was that? But I know now, it's okay. Footings is if you add the amount of loans you have on your books and the amount of deposits you have on your books, you actually add them together. And that's the footings, that, that's what we call the footings. So that's what we have as a bank that derives income from us. And how we derive income is by margins on loans or margins on deposits and some commissions paid. Excellent. And now I note in this year's uh, annual report, we've uh, announced that we've returned over $2.8 million back to the community. Who are some of the groups we've been able to help, Jill? Oh, gosh. Um, we have helped big organisations, medium and small. Um, out of the big ones, I, I could mention Melba, um, Anchor. We've, we've helped kinders like Fernhill. Some of these um, projects that we've given money for, like with the Fernhill Kinder, that was for an all-weather outdoor play area. Uh, and these are fabulous initiatives that um, we've been able to help these, these um, not-for-profits with. With Melba, we, we, some of the money that we've given them went towards housing improvement for, for their residents. Um, with Anchor, same, same applies, helping, helping them get together uh, suitable accommodation for their, for their uh, residents. Our contributions have gone literally from sort of $100 or so right up to many thousands for some. Oh, absolutely. We've, we've given $100, you know, to, to small groups and up to tens of thousands to, to bigger ones. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, might, I might butt in here now. So one of, the, one of the philosophies with that is that we support community groups. So we know that those community groups have got volunteers who are working for the groups who are trying to raise money for those community groups to keep the services going, whether it's footy clubs, netball clubs, uh, toy libraries, kinder committees, etc., etc. So we knew that those people were working really, really hard. And if we could help them by giving them some money, our money would go a lot further. So $100 would turn into $1,000 worth of benefit or $1,000 would turn into a lot more. We've also... We've also helped other organisations refit kitchen facilities, etc., so that their their facilities, like it might be the Scout Group, then can use their facilities or offer those facilities to to the community in general. So the the the, the diversity of the groups is quite large, from uh, both activities to demographics. So from little tiny kids toy library to the elderly as well, we've helped the RSL club, etc. Also, um, with community banking, it is part of our our structure that we give back at least 20% to community. So, you know, it, it's a question of we will be supporting them. Oh, yes. Um, so the more business yeah. we have, the more we can support. And then this year has seen some big changes. Um, Terry handed over to John, John Strode, who's become our fourth mm -hmm. chair. Um, 
Margie, you handed over the, the treasurer's role to Laura. Um, we've introduced both the low volume market and the online share registry. Margie, how's that, how's that working? What are the benefits for our customers? So um, I might just so I might talk about some of that as um, we've, we've as a board we've really looked at succession planning and how our board is adequately placed to move forward. So John Stroud, who is our new chair, has been really active in the we grew up in the Mount Evelyn community. Has been really active as a community leader, and he um, was approached to come onto the board and offered to do so and has taken over that role of chair. He brings great experience both from his background um, in the workforce um, as a manager but also with his community involvement and his leadership roles there. In terms of um, Laura Lilly who's the new company Treasurer, but also company secretary, because that was the other role I had for the whole time. Or no, not for the whole time, because I certainly had Albert Butenhouse was there and James Chapman for a while. Um, but Laura's taken on both those roles. She's absolutely fantastic. She's a great accountant, really good, and she also has fabulous community involvement. Mm-hmm. Got young kids. She lives in the town. Um, she works out of the town, so she brings. Um, a level of professionalism really good but she's also great for community engagement where I'm absolutely stoked that she's taken over the roles. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> so where to next? Where, where are we going from here? Where to next? <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's gaze into this crystal ball. Well, I might, I might just digress. You mentioned um, community grants. So once again, I've got my spreadsheet out. And yeah, it's just under 2.9 mil cumulative year to date, or year to 30th of June. Um, And just over 4 mil in terms of grants and dividends paid, which considering we have not yet been in operation for 20 years, it's less than 20 years, I, I think is, it's pretty amazing. And I really don't believe that the original steering committee would have ever, ever thought that the idea that they they had and they ran with would have ever contributed that much back to the community. So where to from here? Well, we have an absolutely wonderful branch team. They're really good, really cohesive. They work really t- well together. Yep. They they meet the needs of the customers certainly in order to get the business but also they're attuned to being aware of where the needs might be in the community as well as are the board. So I can see it will just go from, we'll continue to operate. I'm not sure whether we'll see the halcyon days that we used to have in terms of um, income generation just because of the tightening of the economy and the change in the economy and the change in the economic landscape. Mm but I believe there's a very valid place for community organisations like the Community Bank, and we have certainly have an opportunity of contributing to grassroots community organisations to make a difference in people's lives. So yeah. I'm very still very passionate about it, obviously. <laughs> and our team at the branch is led 
by an amazing manager, senior manager, and managers, mm-hmm. um, one being a mobile lending manager. And some of the branch staff are not against going out to some of the community groups. They have actually attended functions um, representing the bank. And they do this freely of their own will because they're passionate about community as well. And a lot of our staff are local, so they've actually had their children go to local schools and, and that coming through. So we've got a great a great team and we've got an excellent board hmm. to lead us into the future, whatever it may be. Yeah, absolutely. The, the future's certainly bright and rosy, as much as it can be in this, in this <laughs> <Well>. economic environment. <laughs> Well, if you think about it, we've, you know, we, we hear the, I guess we hear the doom and gloom stories, but we are in a position to support different community groups um, and we are in a position to make a difference. And I think the fact that we've got people working in the branches who know what's going on. So Jules mentioned, you know, David, what, Anne, Peters, Leanne Botel, um, and you know, the likes of some of the other um, people at the branch, some of whom have been with us since day dot. Absolutely, yes. Um, I, I just think is, you know, is is really fantastic. Yeah, I think it's be a good opportunity to thank our staff and, and management team um, for the work they're doing. It's so, always such a pleasure to go in. They're always such friendly staff and always very helpful. And I, I think the other thing I'd like to, to mention too is that we have a really cohesive board and we have quite diverse skills on the board as well with the directors and that's that's a great asset to our community bank. Yeah, absolutely. The, the, the board works really well and, and has shown it can be flexible and, and as things have changed over the last 17 years and will continue to change, I'm sure we'll be able to change too. Okay, so I think we'll pretty much wrap this episode up. So if you're interested in any of our banking products, come on into the staff and uh, the Mount Evelyn branch and um, I'm sure we'll be able to help you. Uh, to find out more about, uh, about what we're up to, you can like our Facebook page and our Instagram page, which we've just launched. So with that, I'll wrap it up and we'll see you in the next episode. Thank you very much for listening. Everyone knows Australia has four big banks, but the fifth biggest retail bank is snapping at their heels. It's a bank that's been around for over 160 years, has over 500 branches Australia-wide, looks after over 1.6 million customers, and was voted the most trusted bank in the Roy Morgan All Brand Net Trust Score Survey July 2018. Who is this fantastic number five? Yep, it's Bendigo Bank, the better big bank.